going to go ahead and kick us off with just a quick introduction of myself and the purpose of Get Launched, consulting conversations, and then we're going to dive into a conversation with Dr. Steele all around her consulting journey and her business. And so if you're here, say hey in the chat. Let me know where you're logging in from so we can build some community tonight. So my name is Dr. Erica Jordan-Thomas. I am CEO and founder of two businesses, EJT Consulting LLC and Get Launch Consulting. EJT Consulting LLC is my personal consulting business that I started when I was a school principal. So I'm a former high school math teacher. Shout out to all of my math educators. I am also a former principal. I went back to school full-time, which my consulting business helped me fund that transition. I can't say that it would have been possible to make that move without starting my education consulting business. And so in March of 2020, when the pandemic hit and I had all this extra free time on my hands, I was like, you know what? I want to begin to, to provide a space for other educators who are curious around education consulting and or they just have questions or maybe they have, you know, are early on in their journey and they just want more support. And so you can kind of think of me also as a business coach for educators specifically in the education consulting space. And so I have a program called Get Launch Consulting and our signature offer is a nine month business development program for high performing educators from marginalized communities to provide them the business development tools to grow a six figure business. So Dr. Steele was one is an alum of the program. And so I'm so excited for you all to hear her story because that's the purpose of Get Launched Consulting Conversations. It's where we take a deep dive into the stories of alums of the program so that way we can learn from them, uncover, get under the hood of entrepreneurship, the good, bad, and the ugly, and have a really fruitful, thoughtful conversation in hopes of being informative and providing some inspiration. So we have Dr. Steele here with us tonight. And so show her some love in the chat and or tap the heart that should be on the bottom right side of your screen. We already have folks in here from Dallas, from Southern Cal, Queens, DMV, Chicago. So we are representing all parts and coast of the country. And so before we jump in and we have Dr. Steele share with us a little bit about her and her experience, I'm going to share with you two quick norms for our time together, okay? And I actually, let's call them commitments, two commitments for our time together. So the first commitment is that if you have a question, I want you to ask it. You have the comments down at the bottom. You might also have a question icon, but if you have questions during your time, share those so that way we can, we can get those answered for you. And then secondly... If we share something that just hits your soul, if you are in church and you want to say amen, hit the heart just to let us know that there's something that was shared that's resonating with you because that's our way to feel in community with one another, even though we may not be physically proximate. And I'm already starting to see the hearts come in. This is great. All right. So Dr. Steele, let's start with your movie trailer. So walk us through your pathway in education, the stops you made along the way, and what your, your current stop looks like present day. Well, thank you so much for having me today on live. So in a far, far away land where Bugs Bunny <laughs> and Breaking Bad was filmed, also known as Albuquerque. Hey! I was born 41 years ago. No, but I've always loved helping people. 
So even since I was little, if I can help you tie your shoes, sign me up. Even in middle school, we would literally walk down to tutor elementary school kids. Since I loved helping people, I knew I wanted to go into teaching. And so when I started thinking about what age level was definitely going to be high school. And then I had to decide if it was going to be English or if it was going to be math. And I remember in English, we read, you know, Animal Farm, which is this big. So mm. I was excited until I realized it was about the Russian Revolution. It's like if I wanted to read about the Russian Revolution, I would have got a book that said Russian Revolution. So I did math. Ironically, <laughs> I pretty much was a straight A student. But I got B's in math. Math was the only time I failed a test, but that's what I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. I think from that perspective, I can teach it a little differently. Mm-hmm. So I went to Bowie State University in Maryland, hey. HBCU, where I got my bachelor's in math and played Delta Sigma Theta sorority. Shout out. Okay, happy Founders Day. I taught high school for a couple of years there. Mm-hmm. And then God said, okay, let's go. And get your doctorate. I said, okay. So I went to University of Central Florida, where I got what you drinking? Where I got my. Uh, <laughs> I got a beverage. I got a nice beverage. <laughs> if you want something, girl, by all means, it's welcomed in this space. Okay, it's welcome. I, I can have a beverage. I would have had my beverage. Next time. Uh, <laughs> I went to University of Central Florida, where I got my master's and bachelor's in math education. And so I've been in education for about 18 years. I've taught college, both undergrad and graduate. So I've taught math classes, and then I've taught people how to teach math. So pretty much uh, teachers. And so I've been a director for 24 charter schools. I've been at national conferences. I've done professional development, developed and facilitated STEM projects. Um, So I've done a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I was fortunate enough to be able to go to China and Abu Dhabi to teach. Abu Dhabi is like about an hour outside of Dubai. And while I was over there, you know, I went to different countries, but it was nice to see other teaching styles and other cultures and then bring that back, you know, to my own here. Dope. Dope. I am monitoring our chat right now. Actually, let me, let me, because I was getting ready to respond to Michelle, who last night she thought my drink was apple juice. And so she's like, there goes the apple juice. Yes, honey, the apple juice is, is present tonight. <laughs> and you have, have folks who, um, you have someone wishing you a happy Founders Day. Uh, a Soror wishing you, sending you those well wishes. So, okay. So your, your experience is, is wide in terms of like, the, the types of students that you serve and the different positions and roles in which you've served. First off, let's talk about the fact that like you majored in mathematics, okay? <laughs> like multiple degrees in mathematics, <laughs> right? Dope. So talk to us. So let's first start with what is the problem that you're solving in your business and who would you identify as your target client? So unfortunately, only 2% of STEM careers are held by Black women. And so that is the main problem that I'm addressing. I want to get young girls interested in STEM so that we can get that number up. And so that's my, I guess, target audience. And what was the second part that you asked? The problem you're solving in your business and your target audience. Okay. So my target audience is teens, middle school and high school Black girls that are interested in STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math. 
And I always tell people there's no STEM without the M. So since I'm in mm-hmm. math, we can all tie that all together. So they're my target audience because I, I realized that representation is super important. And I was interested in STEM because I went to an after-school program called Hands-On Minds On. We have a laboratory here in Albuquerque, and it was people from the laboratory, all Black. And I was mm-hmm. like, it was Black. Mm-hmm. And so New Mexico was 30% Black. So it was nice to see people and fields that I get interested in. So we got to build little robots, and I got super excited. So I hope to make that connection, you know. Somebody said, oh, I'm interested in math, and there's someone that was saying you were school. So it's interesting because typically when I meet math educators who are going into education consulting, they are focused on the teacher development side of things. And it's interesting because you have that as a part of your experience where you've trained and done some teacher preparation at the higher ed level. And so what made you narrow down to focus on middle and high school Black girls focused on uh, STEM uh, careers and exposures? What made you narrow down in that way? Because I found that many people, especially many educators starting their education consulting journey, struggle to to define the one problem that they want to solve. So what made you pick that problem when you could have picked so many other problems given your experience? Yeah, and that is a great question. (laughs) And shout out to Brenda, who was my, who is still my accountability partner that I met in your class. Hey, Brenda's here. She's she's in the chat. She knows of the struggles to pick the problem, (laughs) and that was part of it. And that's exactly what I'm used to doing. I'm helping, used to helping teachers, and so it's like I really want to do this. But she's like, "Is that what you're passionate about?" I'm like, "I am, but not as passionate about mentoring girls, right?" Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to have a nice, I feel like a personal connection when I mentor more in small groups and one-on-one. And so that's why I really want to to focus just on the girls. I was actually mentoring a while ago. I still talked to her and she was in high school and she had me read a paper she wrote in college. And it basically said, had we not talked about college, she would have never thought about going. Mm-hmm. And so that always stuck with me. And it's like, well, hopefully I can, you know, be an inspiration somebody <laughs> mm, mm, mm. so what's i'm sorry it's, it's that oh, age group when mm-hmm. unfortunately society starts making it seem like stem isn't for girls and mm. so if you catch them at a young age it's more likely that they won't feel like they're not supposed to be in stem mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what's interesting in, in hearing you reflect on how you narrow down in your one problem it's it's this struggle that we go through as educators of like, and we were kind of talking about this the other night of like, because our roles are so multifaceted and we're used to doing so many things that like when you're now in the position to be able to choose for yourself, you're like, oh, what do I actually like to do? <laughs> like what, <laughs> what actually like fires me up and like, gets me, you know, energy and makes me like, I'm super passionate about. And it takes like some deep introspection and like (laughs) some deep reflection to actually, when you, when you're forced to wear so many hats and not all of those hats you would have chosen, but it's a part of the job. So you just go with it. Like then you have to think through like really deeply of like, what am I actually passionate about? And I feel like there's a piece of that process that like you almost have to surrender a little bit to like almost 
sur- surrender to like a voice outside of you almost. Mm-hmm. And, and this is me. And I'm saying this as a woman of faith of just like, what is, what is the path? Like, you're almost looking for signs of like, because it's like, I, it's almost unconscious to you and you have to kind of get really deep in your own personal experience of like, what am I actually passionate about? And you're looking for these signs to now reflect back to you. So you, you, it, it sounded like you leveraged the community within Get Launch Consulting, specifically your accountability buddy, just for some of that reflection, which I found to be a really helpful strategy is being able to have a thought partner through that process. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've, you've landed on this problem. And now that you've landed on this problem, how did you then determine your services and your business? Well, since, just real quick, I did want to say, um, when, think about my problem statement now that I think about it some more. When, we, when you were talking about, you just kind of have to surrender. I really had to do that because mm-hmm. I've been teaching for 18 years, right? And so I can drop that division for I can drop mm-hmm. it. And it's like, let's just do that. Is that the number one thing you want to do? And it's like, but I don't know what this is going to look like. Mm-hmm. I take classes. <laughs> so it, it really was just like, I don't know how this is going to work, but this is what I really want to do. So let's just go for it. Yeah. So, okay. Now, what did you ask? <laughs> um, no, it's okay. Listen, I'm sitting there like, this is the word like, because actually, Fahari, who's here with us, who's also an alum of the program, when we had the, a Get Launch Consulting conversation with her, you know, she was really talking about how this is like a faith journey. And so like that just came to mind for me as you were talking of just like when you were just like, all right, I don't know how this is going to go, but like, let's do like the level of faith that you have to have to like keep moving forward. So the question was, is your services, like how did you land on the services that you want to provide through your business? So definitely mentoring because I've done that and I really do enjoy mentoring. Also, it's a lot of getting people interested in STEM. So once COVID behaves itself, I will have face-to-face workshops. Right now, I have online course and I have online program. So my online course is called STEM versus Calling. And we do talk about all kinds of STEM things related to yourself, which mm. is attached to their hands. Uh-huh. So it won't be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so we do activities that surround their cell phone. And we talk about STEM things related to it, like, um, like the grids data towers, the designs and things like that. And then we also look at some mindset things. So I've realized that I can know a whole lot of math, but if my mindset isn't quite there, it's helpful to have a right mindset. We'll put it that way. And so we also look at things like while you do what you do, communication and things like that. And then Mm. my program is called Bosses. So Brilliant Outcome, STEM Sisters of Education and Society. And it's a six-week program, and we have different modules that are mostly centered around social skills. We do talk about STEM, but it's we talk about health, like mental and physical health, financial literacy, authenticity, social media influences, and things like that. So yeah, that's a small cohort. We have so we have a middle school cohort and a high school cohort. Services. Mm. Okay, so the way you talk about it sounds like magical, where it's like, I mean, because it like just makes so much sense. But like some people could have, you know, given the problem you're solving of Black girls and middle school and high school girls and in STEM, some people could say PD, right? Or like some people could do speaking engagement, which that's not to say that those aren't things that 
you know, you don't do. But in terms of you landing down on like the digital course and the six week program, like what caused you to to hone in and narrow in on that versus another service? One is for for being online for one right now because of COVID is pretty much necessary. But I've talked to parents and asked them if there was some kind of program, what would you want that to look like? And so I would listen to their feedback and kind of center it around what they said. And so knowing that if there if I was a teenager would I want to participate in a program like this? Or would I want my child or godchild to participate in something like this? And so that's pretty much how I landed on it. So you said something that's really powerful. If I talk to parents, <laughs> I ask parents, mm-hmm. right? Oftentimes what I see in a lot of entrepreneurs, specifically education consultants starting their business, is they have clarity on the problem that they're solving And then oftentimes, because we have experience with the problem that we're solving in our business, we make assumptions around what our target client would want, Mm -hmm. or we make assumptions around how the best way to solve it or the structure to offer. And so I just appreciate that you are, are naming the market research that you did of being clear on the problem that you want to solve, having the content in terms of the solution, but actually allowing your target client to give you feedback and help co-create what the how looks like. Because it may not make sense during COVID to be bringing, you know, middle school and high school girls together on a Saturday in person. (laughs) Like, like, parents are like, no, I don't, like, that doesn't make sense. But it does make sense in terms of the height of a, of an online course. And so I just want to pull that thread out for people of the importance for market research. If you have not talked to your target client, if you have not done a survey, if you have not done informational interviews, then like that it should needs to be one of the next steps in your business, one of your action items, because this is all around cr- crafting and creating an offer that's going to meet the needs of your client. And that part of this is decentering our ego of we actually don't know like all the things, even though we are like experts in our, our the area, you know, the problem we're solving, we actually need to defer to our client of, of uh, the best way to solve the problem. So talk to us around, okay, your target client is middle school and high school black girls. And obviously there's a there's this interesting nuance here that their parents are the ones that are a decision maker here. Mm-hmm. And so talk to us a little bit around like what your marketing looks like and how you're obtaining your clients to fill your program. Right now, most of my marketing is social media and friends. Mm-hmm. And so like, for instance, when I would ask again, parents, they would say, yes, yeah, STEM is important, but there was always a, but she has a problem with self-esteem. But I would like for her to know how to deal with the social media stuff. And so that's, you know, another thing to keep in mind. Gotcha. So talk to us a little bit around, um, so you're using social media. And just to clarify for folks so we can put your business in context, are you full-time in your business or do you have a nine-to-five? I have a nine-to-five and I also adjunct for a public university. So, yes. Yes. So. Getting yeah. <laughs> started, stuff, Yeah. <laughs> Time is limited. So let's talk about some strategies that you're using uh-huh. to help you grow your business. Because I hear this all the time from people who have nine to fives and they're interested in going into education consulting. 
is how do I balance both and or how do I make time for my business? So what have been some strategies you found to be helpful? To set realistic goals, I would I would get completely over overwhelmed because I have a goal that's going to take 20 days and I'm like, I'll do it tomorrow. No, that's not going to work. And blocking out time. So on the, on my calendar, you know, I have my work schedule and then I have this time block. It might be just one hour. I'm going to do nothing but business stuff. And it's just little by little, that time just adds up. And so having a dedicated time to work on your business instead of saying, I'll do it when I get to it because you won't get to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So set yourself up for success <laughs> yeah. and treat your business like a business. Right. So carving out time, putting it on your calendar and following through with the timing. Yes, life happens, but I think there's a really fine line between a lack of boundaries and life happens. I also think there's a really fine line between I'm avoiding because of fear of failure and life happens. So I think <laughs> I think there are some people who say they don't have the time, but in reality, it's like you can have the time if you enforce boundaries. Or like yeah. you can have the time if you you divorce perfectionism a bit and and like lead out of fear because there's some people who are so afraid of the unknown or so afraid of failure that they end up not doing anything in their business because they stay in their head. Yeah, been there. I'm still kind. Of, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And so, how do you how do you get out of your head when you have those moments? I remind myself that this is new. Um, I'm just starting this and I need to basically stay in my lane. You don't know anybody else's situation. So I would see people, I had a million dollar lunch. I'm like, looking at my class, it's like, is the link working? Nobody's buying my class. You know, and then you'll start going down a negative thing, but you just say, okay, this is very new to me and I can do this. I've been doing this. And I typically ask myself two questions. One is what I'm telling myself true. Mm. But it's not. Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I'll start going down. Oh, no one's buying my class. I shouldn't do this. I just should stick to this. And it just goes down. Then I stop. Is that true? No. Or I ask myself, what's the worst that can happen? Right? Okay, Bridget. So you haven't launched. If you launch, what's the worst that can happen? And it's never that bad. It's just mm. in my brain, I psyched myself out. Because like you said, a lot of it was perfectionism. Mm-hmm. I actually found <laughs> it's a nice little design that I made of what I want my business to do. And it's pretty much what I'm doing. I wrote it nine years ago. Nine. Oh, wow. That's how long <laughs> it took me to let it go. Mm. But that perfectionism. Mm. Mm. You know, something I've been sitting on for a while that you just, that you just reminded me of is feelings aren't facts. Mm. We're like... I feel like that's that's the way in which we can get in our head and and become to, and we get in our own way is when we start to make our feelings facts. So this example of like no one is buying in my business when it's like that's what you feel like you feel as if no one is buying, but is that actually true? Like it might have been a few months or a couple of weeks, and so it feels like in this moment no one is, but is that actually a fact? And so. I think, I think you're giving us a great example of like 
what are some of the mindset shifts or some of the self-talk that you have to do to be able mm-hmm. to, to mitigate some of those messages that, you know, it's real. It's real when you're going through your business and you're trying to build something. I um, mean, especially when we like, we are high performers, <laughs> like we're type A, like we, we have, have a history and pattern of perfectionism that has served us. And right. the reason why we're like amazing educators And the reality is is when you step into your business, you have to undo all of that. Mm. So for folks who just joined us, we're having a conversation with Dr. Steele around her business. She's an alum of Get Launch Consulting. And if you have questions during this conversation, drop them into the chat. If we're, we're naming things that hit your soul, hit the heart. So that way we can build community together and or you can drop your affirmations or thoughts, reactions into the comments. That way we see those. So talk to us, Dr. Steele, like what's the, what's one of the, one of the aspects of freedom that you found in your business? And like, what is one thing that's just been hard? Cause I want to have like a truthful, honest conversation with people mm-hmm. around the reality of entrepreneurship. So what's one like piece of freedom that you found through your business? And what's, what's been one thing that's been hard as you're growing your business? One part of freedom is it's my business and I can do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna listen to no boss. I don't gotta be like, seriously, it's me. Mm-hmm. But with that comes, if I mess up, I mess up. It's on me. Mm. I mean, if I need help with marketing, I need to figure out how to market, right? And so I think the, I think it's the, the mind shift that's the most difficult thing for me. It's just I, I catch myself, but I still do it. You should sometimes you want to be on step Z and you're at C and you forget that it's new and you're learning. This is all very new. And I kind of had to tell myself what I told to my students when I'm teaching them. Mm. We be telling our students stuff that we don't even believe in our own business. All day. Listen. Because I was just telling one of my students today, like, you might, unfortunately, sometimes with math, people have had bad math experiences, and they take that along with them all the way up to college. It's like, it's not true. But it's easy to understand why that might be the case, or you why you might think that. And she's like, you were saying earlier, you don't have to believe what you are thinking. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, just having him reflect on why he thinks he's bad at math kind of helped him say, oh, I was bad at math. That doesn't mean I still am bad at math, right? (laughs) And so just basically taking a step back and thinking, why am I feeling like this? And what self-talk is negative that I need to change? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's that's been the most difficult. It's Mm -hmm. it's not being discouraged if something isn't happening the way I had envisioned it happening right away. Mm-hmm. Is there any mindsets around money that you had to work through? I think as an educator, unfortunately, we're just in America. We're used to knowing we're not going to really make that much money in our profession. But you know what? It, it did because shout out to my other accountability partner, Crystal. She's we've been account for a long time. And I remember she was like, do you know if you sell X amount of classes, you can make $10,000? And it's like, really? And it, and it just helps to visually see that, oh, this is possible. Mm-hmm. I can make money, like, mm-hmm. for real. And I don't have to be set in this, well, 
it would be nice if I could do X, Y, Z. Like I can, you know? So that, that mindset did have to shift from, I'm just going to be on educated salary too. Oh, wait, I can make some money. Mm-hmm. And I won't mm-hmm. money, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that because um, part of my marketing message is, you know, we help high-performing educators from marginalized communities build six-figure consulting businesses. And a six-figure consulting business on average is $8,333 a month. And I think oftentimes when people hear that amount, they think in the context of their role of how long and how much time or effort it takes to generate $8,333 a month, that to your point, they have to unlearn or rewire their brain to think that, if you wanted to, you could make that with one day of PD. Right. If you wanted to. Right. right? And, and so at first you're like, no, that's not. Because I remember, I remember we had the conversation when I was actually in the class and I had asked, I did, I wanted to do this workshop and I presented it and it was a whole lot of stuff. And I was offering it for $800 and the people that I read, it was like, no, that's too much money. You were like, I don't get out of bed for less than, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's, it was just, it was nice to, to know I'm, I'm not crazy. Yeah. It, okay. So let's sit here for a second because I mean, money is always an interesting conversation that, you know, educators, we should just struggle with because scarcity has been normalized in our sector. But I think this, this speaks to the value of community and it speaks to, you know, how you shift your mindset around money because people hear money different. Mm-hmm. And so to your, your example, you said $800 for a workshop. Someone heard that as expensive versus when I hear $800, I'm like, we can get on the phone for a few minutes. <laughs> like, I ain't going to work for $800. We can talk on the phone, but like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and so I think I think that speaks to the value of community and being thoughtful of who you surround yourself with, and yeah. also being okay when people when someone hears money different than you, right? Of like there are going to be people who you tell your rates to, and they're going to be like oh, clutch pearl moment, right? Of like, oh, <laughs> what? And you have to be okay with that. So that's why like pricing, I always say pricing is a journey because whether you're worth $500 or you believe you're worth $50,000, you're right. Right. Like whatever you believe you're worth, yep. you're right. Yep. And so that's why I always acknowledge it's like, it's a journey. And so for some people, they have to start at the $1,000 mark for a workshop or a PD. But then once they start getting that experience, they start building their confidence and they're like, I'm about to, I'm about to change my price. And I'm like, go ahead, change your price. And so, so just, just acknowledging that. And, and the goal is to get to a point that you're so confident in your pricing that when you hear the no, you're, you're not phased by it. And so like, that's why I always tell people to actually had a, a one-on-one consult today with someone who they told me their pricing. And I'm like, tell me how you got to that number. And they were like, oh, just pick the number. And when you can't justify your pricing, you're going to be more likely to waver on your pricing. Mm-hmm. But your pricing should always be a result of running your numbers. 
And by running your numbers and being able to justify it, you at least understand the, the floor of your pricing. Right. So that way, you know, if I go any lower than this number, I'm either not going to be able to cover my expenses. I'm not going to be able to cover my taxes, my projected salary and or I'm going to have a lower profit margin. So, no, I can't. I can't lower this number because I understand what it means for my business when I hit this number. So I just say that because, you know, I think I think there's so much pricing mindset as well as skill building that, you know, I found that a lot of people have to do in their business. And I mean, it's it's a journey, like I said, but it's an important one, particularly for us as educators who, you know, I made a post about this weeks ago. Actually, it was months ago because it was towards the beginning of the school year. When school districts were passing policies to pay people $35 to cover planning periods, I'm like, that's disrespectful. But like there were some educators that were like, saw that as a win. And I'm like, $35? But listen to this. I didn't even know people got paid to cover their classes. Never in my schooling ever, when I had to lose my planning period to go teach at another, to cover someone other. I never got paid anything extra. I was like, they do that somewhere? So I was surprised and sad at the same time. <laughs> that that, mm-hmm. So that's, and, and so I, I feel like too, a part of the work that we do is really around, you know, realizing your worth of like, like I would be damned if somebody told me I'm worth $35 an hour or even not, like I would be, you, you would get hung up on, like you would get hung up on. <laughs> Like that is not like low key. My my eighteen year old self would have been like, yeah, maybe not eighteen, maybe more like twenty one. My twenty one year old eighteen, you like thirty five. Yeah, yeah, like thirty five dollars. I probably would have been like, okay, but like twenty one, twenty two, I would have been like thirty five dollars. Girl, that's that's yeah, that's a nice little meal, but I need I need an appetizer too. And dessert, like $35. So I just I just named that as like part of the work for us as educators is actually reframing how we hear money. And it's a constant journey of how we hear money, but your get out of bed number is is gonna grow and change. And I actually think that's a healthy reflective question for people who are listening of what's your get out of bed number of like what what number will get you out of bed. $800 don't get me out of bed. Even two Gs don't get me out of bed. Because I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no. What, what advice would you have for people who are starting their journey early on in their journey? What advice would you give them? Just do it. Don't wait. Again, with the perfectionism, everything is not going to be perfect. There's like not a good time to start. Just do it. Ask for help. Talk to people in your network, um, talk to your friends, any kind of, you know, different relationships, get accountability partners. Very, very, very helpful. And make goals that are reasonable. You know, keep in mind that you're, this is very new. Give yourself grace, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And solve one problem. Focus on one thing. We can all eventually do different things. I think about celebrities like Rihanna. She's a singer. Now she's a billionaire from, you know, her line. And so, but she did this and then this, you know? So I think that focusing on one thing, and I still to this day have a hard time with it. (laughs) 
because I, I still it, it's just to me doing some of the things that I've already been doing. It's like I think I can make money doing this, but it, I, I don't know. So find find the problem and stick to whatever you're passionate about. Educators are seriously needed, especially with this pandemic. And it's never don't ever think that oh no one needs me in this or no one's gonna buy this. There is a need because you know it. And so if you know, you can always share with somebody. Mm-hmm. That's dope. How can people get in contact with you and who should reach out to you? So my Instagram at Dr. BJ Still. And then my website is drbjstill.com. And so there's a contact page on there. They can send me an email. Awesome. Awesome. And is there any services or offers that you want to share with the folks? Well, currently I'm offering the, well, the boss's course is a waitlist. The program is a waitlist. And then the class that you can buy, the STEM versus calling you. I'm currently pre-selling it. So get it while it is on sale because it won't be on sale for too much longer. So, and you can get that link if you go to my bio, the link is there. So let me just highlight two things you said. We had one of these conversations during last night's conversation was the strategy of Uh pre-selling. And so naming that for people, uh, that is an intentional revenue building strategy where you don't have to, you can sell in advance to, to generate revenue in advance. So if you have any type of program or digital product that you, you can sell prior to the actual launch, as a way to already start generating revenue. Therefore, you don't actually have to wait until the actual start or launch of the offer. The second thing that you named that I want to point out is the fact that you have a wait list, which is another strategy that strategy that often people meet, miss. And we talk about this in the program of the three phases of a launch. Most people, they, they uh, fixate on the second phase of a launch, which is actually launching. But then they missed the pre or the post launch and a wait list is a part of that strategy of actually being able to to build leads and build contacts, even when enrollment isn't open. open. And so that's a part of, of a strategy that I just want to highlight for people is even if and you can do this in anticipation of the offer or you can do this after an offer is already filled or booked. You can have a wait list and that's a way to like build a warm audience. And once you build a wait list, you got to communicate with them. Like you can't just have them sitting on a wait list and then you email them six months later, but like send them an email once a week. And I know it, it, for some people that might sound like a lot, but there are strategies we talk about in the program of how you can manage that type of communication of recycling your content. But I just wanted to highlight that as an important strategy because that's a part of, of, of marketing is your pre-launching and post-launching and a wait list is one of those one of those strategies. Thank y'all for the time. Thank you, Dr. Steele, for your wisdom, for, for joining us tonight and for sharing your story. And so for you all, share, show some love for Dr. Steele in the chat, hit the hearts, you know, show some love for her in the comments just to thank you for her wisdom tonight. Dr. Steele, I'm excited for you and your business. We're just excited to see all the beautiful and amazing things that you do for Black girls and increasing their presence in STEM. So thank you all for your time tonight. Have a good night. Thank you, guys. Join her program. It is amazing. You will not regret it. Please. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs>